So like Alex said, I am the student pastor at Polaris Christian Church, which means I get the honor and the privilege of pouring into teenagers and young adults. It's part of what I love to do. Uh, there's something special about watching uh, middle school kids kind of morph into like real people uh, when they're adults. So it's, it, the, the journey's fun and oftentimes has its ups and downs. Um, I was back there watching the program and I just realized that my son, I have a 10-year-old a, a named Liam, was in his last kid's program. And that made me feel all kinds of things I didn't want to feel today. But it is what it is. But um, our students know that this is my favorite time of year, uh, hands down. I start my countdown for them in our uh, welcome videos in August. And they roll their eyes. And I, everyone's like, why have you getting Christmas now? Because Christmas is always around the corner. And we get to this week, as we are just a couple weeks away from, from Christmas Day, and they're like, wow, that time just goes by fast, and it always does. But Christmas, uh, in, in a nutshell, the season in a nutshell, is about anticipation. Uh, whether it's anticipating the gifts, anticipating the parties for kids and college kids, anticipating the end of the, the semester, you are just anticipating what's next. And anticipation and hype is a big part of our world. If there's a movie you are excited to see, you are watching the trailer over and over again, trying to figure out some plot points, maybe seeing how the action's gonna be. It may even make or break you going to see the movie. If you're like my wife, my wife doesn't wanna see any trailers because she doesn't wanna be spoiled. Not that it matters because she forgets about the movie when she walks out, but anyways. Um, or if you're a big so as an artist that's about to drop a new album, you can't wait to hear the whole thing. You go on, on iTunes, you click on the, the little button that gives you a little tidbit of what the songs could be like. You get excited about it. You go on a family vacation, you count down the days, you have your, your little countdown, you figure out what steps you need to take each and every week as you lead up to your vacation. Hype is big and exciting and movie studios, the Walt Disney Company, I mean, vacation places, uh, music places, they are banking on you literally to get hyped up. And the more hype they get, the, the more money they make. The NFL are masters of hype. They hype up everything. They can hype up the Super Bowl, which doesn't need a ton of hype, but like the, this week's matchups, they hype up the, the NFL draft, the, the Hall of Fame ceremonies. They take a thing like introducing the schedule of next year, and they get people to turn in by the millions to watch that, and they are making money stacks on top of stacks. And so the NFL are the masters of hype. But as Christians followers of Jesus, this is our hype season as we hype up and get ready for the arrival of Jesus. Now, that hype for him isn't anything new. In fact, that hype for the coming Messiah started way back in the Old Testament when there were all kinds of prophecies and foretold stories of a coming Messiah. And this is just one of them. Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
This is just one of a bunch of prophecies given about the coming Messiah. And really, pretty big hype. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. But then when you read through the Old Testament, you come across a moment in time where the Old Testament comes to a close. Now, for us as in 2023, we just go to the next book and it's Matthew. But in that time, there was 400 years of silence. Now, I talked to our students about this uh, a couple weeks ago. I go, um, they can't go five seconds with a little dot, dot, dot on their, on their text message, let alone 400 years of nothing. And, and here you have this hyped Savior, this, this big talk about this coming, you know, king and nothing. But the hype was still real. The hype was still happening whether it would be in, in, in their synagogue churches, in their, in their time together as a family, in their celebrations, they would look to the possible coming king. Now you think with all that hype, with all that energy, if you were the God of the universe, I think you would say, okay, let's make a big splash. Let's make the biggest boom as possible. Let's go NFL on them. Let's get excited about the coming savior and yet, as we lead, read through the Christmas story today, we're going to see that from a human standpoint, the Christmas story doesn't make a lot of sense. And we're going to tell you why that's so important. So the Christmas story starts in Luke chapter 2, and it says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Why they were there, the time for the baby to be born had come, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in the manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, you're the God of the universe. And you're like, you know what? Let's bring the Savior into fruition. Let's bring him into the world. So you take two young people who are probably around teenage age, you allow the one to become pregnant before she's married, which is a scandal at the time, for sure, in a very small town. Then you ask a very pregnant Mary and her, new, who, her fiance to travel about 100 miles to his hometown to be away from her family, away from the comforts of home. And then you say, hey, uh, Joseph forgot to order the Airbnb, so there's no place to stay, so they got to stay in a, in a barn, and in mar, our modern concept of a barn, it looks very nice. Actually, weddings are done in barns now. Uh, in Jesus' time, it was pretty much a cave with the animals, the smells, and the mess. To top it all off, the Savior of the universe is coming in as a small, naked, vulnerable 
baby. 100% depended on others for survival. And as humans, in our minds, that welcoming, that circumstance doesn't make a lot of sense if you're welcoming in the Savior of the world. So maybe the entrance didn't match up. I'm sure, I'm sure that God said, you know, we're going to make sure that the people who are the first to hear about this amazing opportunity, this amazing moment in time, they're going to be the ones who have so much influence and so much say that when they tell people, they're just going to listen to them, right? Luke 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloth and lying in the manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that had happened, which the Lord had told us about. Trying to make the biggest impact, and you want to make sure the people who are spreading the word are, are, are trustworthy, and so God picked shepherds. Now, shepherds are an interesting choice by God because in their communities at their time, they were the lowest status of people. See, shepherds were kept away from the normal people because they were seen as too uneducated, too poor, too unclean, too undignified to be a part of the community. And yet, this is the group of people that the God of the universe said, you know what, I'm going to make sure you are the first to know. In fact, when you read on, you, they, they are, not only do they are the first to know, they go visit the baby, they then go spread the word, which doesn't make sense in our human eyes. Okay, so we got the, the arrival is tough. I get it. The, the, the people, okay, guys, I, I kind of maybe could have been better, but shepherds are fine. But the religious leaders, the elite, you're going to pick someone of importance to be the one to find the baby, right? Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judah, during the time of, time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, historically speaking, uh, there was a guy named King Herod who was appointed by the Roman Empire, and his job was to be the king, the physical king of the Jewish people. And so these magi, the astrologer pagans of the time, find this star and go to the human king of the Jews. See, if we were humans, you would think that God would approach the human king to say, hey, spread the word about my son. But instead, it was the, the pagans, the people far from who God was, that were told about this. And, and on top of that, if you read through Matthew, it, it, King Herod, historically, a horrible human being. 
uh, to the point where if you, when you read in Matthew, uh, he tries to con the wise men saying, hey, I want to go and worship this new king. Tell me where he's at. And like secretly, I want to worship means I want to kill him. And so King Herod is a horrible person. Even though he is a person of power, as humans, we would say he would be the one who should know. He can spread the word. For us humans, when we look at this story, God sends his son in the least ideal circumstances, asks the least ideal people to spread the word, and informs the least ideal leaders about his son. And for us as humans, maybe the Christmas story doesn't make all that much sense. But what if? What if it actually makes all the sense in the world? So no matter what your Christmas past may be, no matter what your your relationship with God is in this moment, I want you to take the next couple minutes and to rethink this season. Because I think when we go through why this makes sense, it could change your perspective, not just in Christmas, but for the years to come. The first and foremost, and I, and I, lo- I want to make sure this is well known, this isn't a story. We have a tendency to think of the Christmas story as just another story, just another tale to be told around this time of year. A lot of you in this room have heard the story over and over and over since you were real little, and that's what it's kind of become, just another story to re- read. But we forget these are real human beings. These are real people who had real thoughts, real emotions, real worries and fears. These are real people who looked at God and wondered, what are you about? Are you for me? Do you even hear me? What's this? Do you even care what happens on this earth? These were real people who I guarantee you when they were born were probably not thinking they would do anything of significance. You have two teenagers who were under the rule of an empire. You have shepherds who were kicked out of the gates. You have pagan star watchers. And yet on this moment in time, they were chosen to be a part of something that was world-changing. I guarantee you, they never would have saw that coming. Put yourself in their shoes. Because the beauty of the Christmas story is God is still doing that. God is still using all this mess to do great things in this world today. But I think what changes everything for me comes in two different verses. And the one comes way back in in Isaiah, another one of the prophecies. When Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he we call Emmanuel, which also means God with us. And then 700 years later, in a town of Nazareth, there's a man named Joseph. Now, Joseph is considered a good man, and he's, he's pledged to be married to someone named Mary, and, and you know, all the excitement of, of being engaged and figuring all those things out and, and how much fun that could be. And then all of a sudden, he's informed that his wife-to-be is now pregnant, and he's not the dad. And he has a choice to make. He can make life for Mary really, really bad. He can make life for Mary's family super 
amazingly bad. But Joseph was a good man. And so what Joseph decided was, you know, I'm going to quietly separate myself from this. And then, as happens in the story, God steps in. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. After considering this, this being divorcing, stepping away from Mary, um, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take, a, take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This all took place to fulfill the Lord, what the Lord said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This human story, which makes no sense in human eyes, makes all the sense in the world because of one name, Emmanuel, God with us. Throughout most of human history to this point, God was seen as distant and angry. God was seen as someone you had to appease. You had to constantly go through these sacrificial moments so that you can possibly, for a split second in time, be okay with God. And then God said, I'm going to change everything. I'm going to send my son to you so that you will be free from all that. Because now I am with you. And what makes all, all the sense in the world is how he came into this earth. He came into this earth the way that every single person in this room came. The naked, vulnerable baby depended on someone else for survival. And that shows us his humility, his kindness for us, that he would send his son to be a part of that. And then the circumstances in which he was born into, the, the, the horrible circumstances, the circumstances that no one ever wants to be into, shows us that even though when we go through these things ourselves, we feel lost, but we have a God that was with us and can say, you know what? I've been there. I've been in your circumstances. I've been in your flesh. I've been in your blood. I understand what it means to have a hard day. I understand what it means to be heartbroken. I understand what it means to have people having scandalous things said about me. I understand you because I was one of you. Because God with us makes this story make all the sense in the world. And then look at the shepherds. The people who were the outcasts of the society, who were kicked out of the streets, and they were said, I got good news with great joy for all the people. And this shows us the heart of God, that his love is not just for a few. His love and his forgiveness is not just for a handful of people. It's not for just for the elite, not for the people who have all the God stuff right, not for the people whose life look great. His love is for everyone at all times, for all people. No matter where you're at and what you're going through and what's happening, his love is for you. Even if you feel like you're an outsider looking in, you're never on the outside because of Jesus. And then the magi, the pagans, the people who were the most sinful of sinful, the first to be asked to come and see the king. And that shows us that no matter how much sin is in your life, God wants you to be a part of the journey. Now, how much how stuff has not gone your way? God wants to be a part of this journey. Now, how much has been done to you by other people? God wants you to be a part of the journey. 
The Magi welcoming us welcomes every one of us because in our world, we make so many bad decisions. You know, Jesus says, I love you. I'm coming because of you. I am with you. So what do we do with this? What do we do in this Christmas season as we look into the days and weeks to come? This morning, I encourage you to stop treating this as a story and start to live it as an experience. This faith journey is not never meant to be something you just sit and be a part of. Like, okay, I go sit and listen, I'm good. No, it's something more than that. The story is meant more because God didn't just come and say, hey, I'm, I'm here. He said, no, I'm, I'm living with you. I'm one of you. Now go to the earth and, and do great things because I'm with you. And so maybe for you, it's continuing to, to seek him in some way. Maybe for you, you're new to this Jesus thing. Continue to find ways to get closer to God. Maybe that means bringing someone in your life whose faith is stronger. Maybe it's just reading scripture. Whatever it is, find ways to get deeper in this faith thing. Maybe your next step is to take what we talk about outside these walls. Go talk to someone about your experiences, who you are, who Jesus is for you, why Christmas is more than just a tree or a present, why Christmas is much more than a pageant and singing. It is so much more. Share with your friends. Bring them to your table. Enjoy a meal with them. Tell them how, much, how amazing God is for you. And to me, one of the biggest ways to grow your faith, to make this Christmas thing, this Christmas history so powerful is to serve others. This is an easy time of year to serve. Whether it's a red kettle walking out of a store or you know, walking, hearing who, all the causes that desperately need, need someone to give to, uh, love pure, whatever, this is an easy time to give. So give, but again, give more than that. Give of yourself. Uh, one of the things that I love about being a student minister is watching teenagers serve. See, every generation of teenagers are pretty much the same, is that teenagers look out for the teenagers. And that's okay. We all do it. We, and as adult humans, we do it as well. But to see a teenager say, you know what? I'm going to give of my weekend to help little kids run a program as simple as that is, that is powerful. Because my son and all the sons and daughters on this stage will look to them to help their faith journey. And I tell students this all the time. I say, hey, listen, you want to grow your faith? Serve. It's, you have to have an answer when a kid asks you, why do you believe in Jesus? Why is he important? Why do you do this? And I encourage you to serve. If you're not serving, you are missing out. If you're not serving, the world is missing out because you're not serving. You, that's a part of this thing. Jesus didn't come here just to check the box. He's like, I'm coming here to save you, to be with you, so that you can spread that news. And now that we have a manual that God is with us, we can have hope. Hope despite your circumstances and hope despite feeling like an outsider. Hope, no matter how great your sin is. So the band's going to come out, but we're going to sing one last song. I want to challenge you tonight, today. Next couple weeks, you're going to see all kinds of people. 
You're going to see people you can't wait to see you only see once a year. You're going to see people you can't wait, you, you can wait to see because you only see them once a year, and there's a reason why you see them once a year. Um, you're going to be with family and friends. You're going to go to parties, and there's going to be gifts, and there's going to be singing songs. There's going to be candles lit here in a couple weeks, and all those are great things that are wonderful. And then and, and a week after that, we're going to turn the page to a new year. But I ask you and I challenge you to take the next couple weeks and lead into this year looking at who Jesus is with a completely different lens. He's not just some tale that we talk about once a year. He's not just some thing that we kind of celebrate in, 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 you know, on Easter and, and different times. He is a God that sent his son to be flesh, to be one of us, so that he can empathize with us, understand where we're at, and then he went and saved our sins and our, ourselves from our sins so that we can share that amazing news all around. Don't let this Christmas season just pass. Live as God is with you because he is. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you that you have, you chose to humble yourself to be one of us. We are so undeserving of that kindness and that gift. But because you love us, because you want us to know that you know what it means to live a life on this earth, that you came here. And God, despite our circumstances, despite how we feel, despite the sin in our life, you came here for us. And I challenge us to stop looking at this as a tale we tell to our kids and ourselves at this time of year in a, in a life-changing moment, that life-changing moment in history that is still changing every people to this day and into the future. Thank you for your son. We need your love, God. We need you so bad in this world today. And God, as we, we worship you, we, we sing no well to you, remind us that you are with us no matter what happens. We pray this in your name. Amen.